Today's video is brought to you by StoryboardThat.com. Please visit TeacherCast.net slash StoryboardThat for a limited time offer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 70th episode of the Tech Educator Podcast. We have a great show in store for you tonight. We're going to be talking all about Google Doc add-ons and Google Sheets add-ons. We're going to be sharing with you great ways to enhance your classroom and your Google apps from educational platform. You can, of course, check us out here live every single Sunday night at 7 o'clock right here on TeacherCast.tv. We have some great things happening these days over on TeacherCast. Check us out over on TeacherCast.net where you can check out the Tech Educator Podcast and all of our other great shows over at tech, uh, to, uh, over at TeacherCast.net. We are very, very proud that right now we have launched the official TeacherCast shop. That's right. You can check out all your podcasting equipment, your mixers, your microphones, your educational books. We have a ton of great educational products for you. Check it out over at shop.teachercast.net. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors over at storyboardthat.com for helping us provide amazing entertainment and educational broadcasting for you each and every week. We have a full house today and a special guest. I want to introduce Mr. Sam Patterson to the show. Sam, how are things going? How are things out there? with your buddy, my buddy too, Walker Patui. I, I can speak for myself, Jeff. Things things here are really, really good. I made a couple great videos this week. Big, got some secret production deals underway. Uh, secret? You know, puppeting on the street. Okay. I saw that you were in an elevator this week. What was up with that? Oh, I was working on my elevator pitch. I understand. Um, okay. Yes, yes. It's, you'll see that video soon. Excellent, excellent. I didn't realize, Waka, that you were in the baseball playoffs. <laughs> Am I in the baseball playoffs again this year? Am I still pitching? I, I believe you are. You. <laughs> Let's bring on from the great state of New Jersey, Mr. Chris Nessie. Chris, how are things over at the house of EdTech? Everything is great here at the House of Ed. Jeff, it's good to be here on a uh, another episode of the Tech Educator Podcast, as always. And how are how, how's your how, how is the show? I saw that you went through a little transformation. Your new website looks pretty pretty cool. I am very excited about it. Um, as I talk about in this week's episode, episode number twenty one, um, I revamped my website, which I host on Blogger. And I picked up a new theme over from btemplates.com. So they have some great templates if anybody else is using Blogger and wants to take their Blogger blog to another level. Nice. Certainly check that stuff out. Uh, Thanks for being here today. Mr. David Saunders. David, how are you today? I'm good. Uh, Can you hear me? I'm sorry. I'm trying to escape the children uh, in my house to make lots of noise. I'm doing really well. Uh, It's a long weekend. It's my 12th anniversary. And so... Well, I'll watch you a wonderful weekend. What, you, what, are, you, what are you doing here? <laughs> Didn't say second anniversary. He said 12th. I understand. <laughs> Join us, everybody, on August 19th of 2019. And please come by. 
Uh, Josh, how are you tonight? Doing great. Fresh off of the uh, third annual Ed Camp Green Bay. It was a smashing hit. About 100 awesome educators there learning sharing with each other. And uh, as always, just feeling super great about education. That's awesome. Getting connected with some new friends and some old ones. Uh, it was it was phenomenal. We had a little post-Ed Camp meetup where some people hung out for like three hours afterwards. So I'm, I'm pretty beaming right now. Very, very cool. Now, Josh, I'm going to let you introduce our guest for the for the show here. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're learning today? Absolutely. You know, it's a little bit of a interest of mine recently to get into Google Scripts, uh, but that's a little little more of something that really doesn't need to happen because a lot of things have been created and they've been packaged into these add-ons for Google Sheets and for Google Docs. And there's a lot of great ones that we're going to go through tonight. And they're just ways to extend the Google products to give you, let you give quicker feedback, maybe give you some functionality that isn't available in the basic version of either Google Sheets or Google Docs. Uh, so it'll be some pretty cool, useful stuff that might save you time. It might help you give better feedback, uh, but it will definitely be useful to, to somebody out there. Excellent. So let me hand the show off to you, and you can introduce our guest. Sounds great. Thanks, Jeff. All right, so we do have a special guest tonight, somebody who's a great friend of mine. Uh, we got to meet and hang out for a little bit at the Google Teacher Academy out in Mountain View. So we got another one of, of our crew joining us tonight. Natalie, thanks for coming on. Tell us a little bit about what you got going on for you. Sure, yeah. Uh, I'm here to really just show you some of the cool ways that I use things like Doctopus and Gubrick to make my life as an English teacher a little less uh, grade hectic and a little more user-friendly. Yeah, and I think a lot of English teachers would be like, yeah, show me the secret. I was hanging out at school Friday, and one of the English teachers came walking through pretty frustrated. She had a duffel bag full of papers and was like, yep, you got like 15 hours of grading this weekend. So uh, anything that uh, you can do and any advice you can give that maybe I could share with her, I think she'd be pretty happy. So before we get started, Natalie, since you're new to the show, why don't you just give us a little brief bio of who you are? Sure. Um, I'm Natalie. I am a high school English teacher. I also teach um, college-level undergrads and graduates. Um, I've been teaching for about 10 years now, and I just really have a passion for finding ways to integrate technology so that what we're doing in class is more than we've ever been able to do. It's about challenging students, being innovative, creative, and really pushing the boundaries of what classes should be doing so that it's not just about content area disciplines, it's really about learning in general. Absolutely, you know, and I think that's a, that's a great point that trying to get education from being a traditional spoon-fed to more of getting students to think and, and having to challenge their, their own thinking about things. There was a great blog post, I don't know if anybody read it, where there was somebody who just became a, a learning coach at their high school and they shadowed students for two days. Did anybody else read that blog oh, post? Oh, yeah, I did. Yep. Uh, phenomenal stuff, which, which just goes to show that you know, as hardworking as we are as teachers, we, we still need to be able to involve, and, and sometimes it's a little slow, but it sounds like you're, you're really doing some great stuff over there. So let's put you on the spot right away. Are you ready to, to show us some of the awesomeness that you've been doing? I am. Let me get my screen share going here. Okay, so um, the first thing that I want to share with you um, is pretty much just a very, very simple way that I share diagnostic essays with my students. Um, 
as, as an English teacher, I find it really hard to assess a student on their writing skills if I don't already know what they've been taught and where they're at and what I actually need to instruct them on. So the first thing that I started doing, and this is my first year full on using Doctopus. I used G-Class folders last year, but um, in being part of that PLN that I'm involved in on, on Google+, I really learned a lot about, about Andrew, Andrew Stillman and just the way that he communicates in the event of an issue. I figured, you know what, I feel like I have enough support that I could really jump into this. So I decided to go for it with diagnostic essays, and I just would give out this template. All it has on it is a header, and um, I would sort of send that out. Um, essentially, I just want to run through the, the organization of what Doctopus, once you run it, what it gives you. When you create a, a Doctopus roster, you do it on a, a normal sheet. You want to use the new sheets with the add-ons, and all you really need is the student's first name, last name, and email. Once you have those three things built in your spreadsheet, you can go ahead and run the add-on. If you haven't already downloaded it, you can just get it from the Chrome Web Store, and you go ahead and allow the run the script to run itself and what it's going to do is it's going to sort of prompt you through a couple steps it's going to ask you if you want to um, build student folders or if you just want to straight up send out actual documents and I definitely would encourage doing the folders because it makes the organization a lot easier that's where it's built in the uh, the G, G class folders sort of idea directly into Doctopus. So what I essentially did was I sent out um, my, my first document to students, which was just a test document to make sure I did it right. But in doing so, it also allowed me to create um, multiple folders for different uses. So essentially what it's doing is it's telling me um, to choose between a certain hierarchy of folders with different permission levels. And what it's allowed me to create is a teacher folder, which is the folder that stores all of the documents I'm sharing and creating, and the Doctopus spreadsheet that holds all the grading for Gubrick, which we'll get to later. It's going to also have a class edit folder, which is a great opportunity to allow students to share with one another. And I believe the more the merrier. So if they're taking notes and uh, if a student's absent, we put a lot of stuff in that edit folder for easy access. A class view folder, which is essentially where I can drop things in for them to view but not edit. And then each individual student folder, which as you can see, they're all listed here. As you go through the next um, steps, that's where it'll ask you for different permission levels. Um, do you want it to be each individual student? Do you want to set up things in groups? And it really asks you to sort of uh, specify how you want to organize your Doctopus folders, roster, etc. Do you want me to run through this whole thing with you or should I just get into the meat of what I've actually done? Uh, I would, I think it would be beneficial if you could do a demo of just running through the actual Doctopus script, maybe maybe some of those different features like the folders sure. part that you did. All right, awesome. Okay, so let's say if I, I'm going to go into here, and I'm going to create myself a new spreadsheet. It's blank, there's nothing on it, and the first thing I want to do is I want to throw in some some names. I'm going to put myself in one. 
You can put me. I, I haven't done a writing assignment in a while. Awesome. Maybe one more. Throw David in there. All right. <laughs> All right. For ease of purposes here, I'm going to call it Doctotest. Ooh. All right. And done. All right, now I just need some emails, so I'm going to pop in mine. You guys throw yours in the chat, and I'll copy and paste you right on in there. And while you're doing that, I'm just going to make sure I get my Doctopus happening. I'm going to launch it up. Cool beans. Cool, cool beans. Cool beans. Throwing these emails in here where they belong. Please and tell me you've seen Hot Rod, Natalie. I have not. I've not even heard of Hot Rod. Has anybody else seen Hot Rod in the chat? No? No, I have not seen Hot doing. Rod. What is this Hot Rod you speak of? It is, an, it is a movie with Andy Samberg in it. You lost me there. Oh, there's a great scene where they do cool beans. It's pretty awesome. Just YouTube it. I'm sure it's there. Sam, I see your email. Do you want to be added to this Doctopus roster? Whatever you need. All right, let's do it. Okay, so all I did was essentially launched the Doctopus add-on, which lives up there in add-ons, and now it's going to ask me what I want to do. So it asks me, do I want to select a roster or build a new one? I'm going to build a new one because this is a new group of people. Sometimes it takes a couple minutes to run, um, and also you might, in this particular instance, run into some um, issues because we're not all on the same domain, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. There are limits. You can do it outside of the domain, but sometimes um, you do run into a snag. So I'm going to do it directly on this sheet, but you could also import from G-Class folders or from um, Teacher Dashboard. And as you can see, it lets you know that it's running. And then I'm going to go ahead and create the roster. And as it's working, you can see that it's working because it starts to do some things on the spreadsheet. Cool. So, question for you, and you know, I don't know if there's an easy answer to this, uh, but I found Doctopus to be very useful even still, even after Google Classroom has launched just because I, I find it to be really quick and, and easy to get into, and it has a little bit more flexibility. So what, what are your views on that? I think that it, it does a really great job of walking you through whatever sort of issues you might be having, um, and it also helps you really organize well. Um, this is where the organization actually comes in because it's asking me, do you want to create folders? I just want to preface that you want to do this in this step because if you don't do it, you can't go back and create the folders later. So always, if you decide you want the folders, do it in, in the very beginning in this step too um, because if you don't, you'll have to rerun from the beginning. Okay, right. so it's going to ask me to create and share the folders, so I'm going to do so, and it should actually pop up pretty quickly into your uh, your folders. What's neat is that it's building them, as you can see here, the student folder key. It's building those folder keys 
so that you can also check to make sure that anytime you send out a document, it's going to the proper folders. So if you guys go ahead and check your Google Drive, you should be able to see these folders up here. Oh, that is some, some black magic right there. There it is. <laughs> Sweet. Josh, that's mostly what tech integration is, just a whole lot of modern-day black magic. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I get those looks from people all the time. It's like, man, how did you do that? You kind of just, you know, plugged it back into the wall. But I <laughs> turned it on and followed the directions. <laughs> all right, so this is where it gets really cool. You can decide how you want to have them be shared. Um, for my particular purposes, the way that I shared the folders and the documents that I was sharing are generally individual all the same. That essentially means that I'm going to share out a template that every single student will have um, dropped into their assignment folder. They will have editing rights. Um, the whole class won't be able to see it or edit it. But you can change all of those permissions based on what you have listed here. So I'm going to go ahead and save and continue. And while I'm doing this, I'm going to go ahead back into that writing folder and I'm going to just create a silly doc. Um, I'm going to call it... Silly doc. Silly doc. Silly doc. Guys, do your homework. No, I don't wanna. All right, so oh now that's God. living there in my writing folder. And here is my docto testing folder. So this is telling me you've created these folders. Here they are. That writing doc, the silly doc, I want to put in there. Do, 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 put it in my teacher folder. So now I know that this is my silly doc that I want to send out to you guys when it's time to, to do that. And we're getting to that now. So it's asking me what folder do I want to pull the template from that I'm going to send to you. And it's the teacher folder. Okay, good. Make sure it's the right one. It is. It's got the, the document in it. Yeah, I always find that stuff to be the tricky one because you want to go into the folder and pick the document, but you need just the folder at that point. Right. And sometimes you need to go back, like because I just added it in there, just refresh it, make sure it knows what it's doing. And what's really cool is that you can also choose to, to send out differentiated docs, which I do a lot. Um, especially if I'm just using a rubric for like an oral presentation, I can just send out the rubric um, and the doc is just a blank doc. So anyway, here's my silly doc that I'm attaching and when it's ready and it's attached, the blue button turns on and I can save and continue. And as it's processing, it's going to start actually sending it out. And if you look at the list. You can actually title it however you want to title it, but it's automatically going to title with the student's last name, comma, first name, and the title of that document. You can also notify editors immediately in, the, in their email, and I can go ahead and write a little note if I so choose. But I like it. It's good. It also asks me, do I want to create a new folder where all of this information is going to be stored? Because as you guys start completing this assignment, I want to have an organizational system for getting to it rather than having to go and click through every single one of your folders. It's going to create a folder just for this assignment as well, even though I still could click through every one of your folders. That's a fantastic feature. 
Yes, I agree. Talk about time saving. I have 164 students in my high school classes. If I had to click through 164 folders just to get to the essays that I then have to click into, oh my god, that's so much time that I would be wasting clicking into folders. Hey, Natalie? Yes. What do you do if your students don't have Google Apps for Education email addresses? So there is a limit, and I want to say it's 100, 100 of them a day. So you can send out 100 docs or 100 assignments per day. Um, but don't quote me on that. That's all. It all depends on the domain and what's happened that day and things like that. But I know that you can use it. Um, I actually have used Doctopus for my college classes, and none of us are on the same domain. Um, the way that the college that I work at has their stuff set up, they're not actually even allowed to share regularly. They have a 25-document sharing capacity. So we get around that by using private Gmails and just working through that. And it has worked, but like I said, you have 20, uh, 100 shares per day before it sort of times you out. So my students, you know, we, we have Google Apps, and they have their Google Drive, and they have all this other stuff, but they don't have access to email. So how do I hook them up with this? I'm pretty sure that whatever ID they're using, because they still have to create a Google ID to create their Google Apps Red accounts, it would still go through. You just wouldn't be able to do the emailing feature. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now it's asking me to run, in, to run the copy and share, meaning it's going to send that document to you guys into your assignment folder. And this sometimes take, takes a couple minutes depending on how large your roster is. But what's really neat is that you can watch it happening as it's placing the link to the document directly in this spreadsheet. And as it does it, you should be able to go into your assignment folder and see that document there. What's neat is that I can double check and I can go into the folder that it's created for me right there in my teacher folder, look into it, and look, there's the document it sent all the four of us. So that's pretty neat. I can also individually go into my student folders. There you guys are. I can go in and say, all right, let me check out Sam's from here. Oh, Sam, you haven't done your homework yet. Uh-oh, no good. But what's really cool is now I can decide whether or not I want to grade it. Now, in order to grade it, I need to make sure that I've added a rubric. So let me do that now. All right, so now you are transitioning from the point where you've facilitated documents being, being handed out. So you're saving time kind of on the student end, but also on your end to not have to worry about whether or not your students share it. And that's exactly. kind of the power of Doctopus. Right. And it gets so much more than what I've actually shown. Um, the, the capacity to differentiate, to send different documents um, to different students, to group kids, really means that talk about personalized learning. Um, mm -hmm. There's so much more that I can do in my classroom as a result of being able to choose who is getting what, when, and who they're collaborating with just is more than I've ever been able to do. Because also think about how confusing it could be passing out all those different papers, having to photocopy them and organize them. Oh, well, how come she's got this one and I've got that one? Now it's anonymous. They don't need to know that the differentiation is happening. It's a really great feature to make sure that kids get what they need and succeed without feeling self-conscious about needing a little more support. 
Excellent. Mm. Natalie, that is totally awesome. So you're going to show us now next the, the tool that works really well with it called Gubrick? Exactly. And I'm, all I'm doing right now is I'm putting a rubric into my teacher folder because it's going to ask me what rubric I want to use. So I'm going to go ahead and click Continue. Now, are there some parameters you, you should know about on that rubric? Yes. So a lot has been done. Um, you don't have to use numeric values, but if you use numeric values, it does allow you to put in um, partial credit on a rubric, which I really like. Um, I believe that there are a lot of gray areas and a student can be between a four and a five, and I like to have the freedom to put a four and a half. But if you choose to put words, um, satisfactory, below satisfactory, above satisfactory, you can still click the boxes. You just won't be able to put half credit, but it will allow you to, I think, click two boxes. So you can notify them that they were, you know, somewhere in between them, but it could just be a little confusing for them if you're not using numbers. The rule of making a, um, uh, a Gubrick-friendly rubric is to do it in a spreadsheet, put the numbers or the, the range at the top, and then your criteria going down on the, on the side. Um, so this is a sample of a writing rubric that I've created. Um, I have three criteria and six different levels that they could achieve. And I put it in my um, teacher folder so that I'm now able to go ahead and add, add the, the rubric. So it asks right, me, do so I want to attach it? All right, Natalie, can we stop uh, for a second? Just yep. uh, got some questions in the chat for you. Absolutely. All right, so Craig Yen asks, the documents um, that you're creating for Doctopoise are created by documents that are in your own account, right? Correct. Okay. And then, can this is from Allison Piazza. That must be some relation of Mike. I wonder how he's doing. Anyways, um, can the student and or teacher mark the document final for grading? Yes. There is something called embargoing for docs. Um, it's grayed out, but you can probably see it on my screen over here. Um, all that essentially does is basically shuts their editing capabilities down for the time frame for which it has been embargoed. And a lot of teachers use this to have a due date finalized, collect the work, and then you could choose to unembargo the document, have them go in and revise it, and it will timestamp it for you. As you can see here, it does provide you with your last edit, and it will also provide you with the last teacher feedback as well. So you can embargo and unembargo multiple times and it will record each of those for you. Awesome. That's such a great feature. I agree. I haven't used it yet because I, I happen to work off of you know, giving them a lot of flexible due dates and, and I have them work sort of in, in chunks. So I haven't had the need to embargo yet, but I love that idea where, especially if it were a final exam, if, if I were able to go paperless and virtual with some sort of an exam and to actually be able to embargo it would be very, very useful. Awesome. Now, All right, so I have a question for you. Yeah. With the rubrics that you said you have to do them in Google Sheets, Right. Do you design your rubric from scratch, or is there a place you recommend where you get pre-designed rubrics that you're importing? I design them from scratch because I believe that my assignments and what I've instructed has sort of specific relevance, and 
I don't like that whole idea of assessing students on things I haven't taught them or, or haven't at least cued them up that they were going to be assessed on. So if even if I am going to pull from a rubric that is more holistic, that fits, I still sort of put it in language that works for me and works for my students. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Okay, so essentially what this Gubric is asking me to do is go through these three steps. Step one is to install the Gubric in case I haven't done so already. You just click it. It tells you whether or not you've done it. If it's not done, it'll have the little blue free button, and you can go ahead and do that. The second one says to authorize it, and you might have to do this every once in a while. Sometimes it falls asleep like a lot of our extensions do. And it'll tell you, congrats, you've authorized it. You're ready to go. Fantastic. And when you're ready, you can go ahead and select your rubric. So it's, again, going to pull up that document picker and ask me which one I want. And that's the one, so I just double-clicked it. And now you can tell it's thinking because the little octopus's eye is doing its thing. And then attach to the assignment. And that now, means it's capable to actually grade. So the document you picked was the rubric you made? Exactly. Okay. Yep. So I've already sent out the document the students are working on, and now I'm letting Gubrick know which rubric I want to use to grade that document. Ooh, I have a great question for you uh, that just came in related to this as it loads up. So can you use Gubrick without using Doctopus? Can you use Gubrick without using Doctopus? I don't know, but I know that I've used it without any particular assignment attached. That's where I said I used it just for a blank template, um, and I used it just to grade oral presentations. But in order for it to link in the folder, you have to have that folder file key here listed. Otherwise, it has nowhere to go, and that's attached to the student's usernames and, and emails so that it knows who it's going to as well. All right, excellent. So I think that we'll mark that under further investigation. Right. Because I know I've seen the uh, little Gubrick I when I've had the extension installed whenever I have a document open. So I wonder. We can check into that further. Okay, so here's essentially what it looks like. So if I were to grade, let's say, Josh, your, your essay, I would go ahead and open up that link, and you told me it's done. Okay, so fantastic. So I know it's ready to grade. And now all I have to do is click that little eyeball and it's going to look for the rubric that I added. And essentially, it just overlays the rubric on top of the document. And as you can see, my point value is at the top. I can use clicking into the boxes, which will automatically put the number, or I can decide that you've got partial credit, and it'll highlight both of them, but you'll know which criteria it fulfills because I have the numeric value there. In addition, Let's give you a higher score. In addition, I can also leave you personal comments. Great job, Josh. Yes. And it's going to automatically email you as well as paste this rubric directly onto the document. So that's why with Jeff, I'm not sure if your students don't have an actual email. It might just return to sender or you might get some sort of a default email saying um, you know, it didn't, it didn't go anywhere, but it still should paste on that document. All right, and, awesome. Hey, Natalie, yes. could you do something real quick? Absolutely. I know we're having some issues. Some people are saying that they can't see your feed, so could you like unscreen share and rescreen share to get that Absolutely. Fresh? Thank you. 
All right, so you were saying that as soon as you finish filling out that the the rubric, when you're done, it automatically emails that to the student. Exactly. So as long as you gave me a viable email address, you should be able to check your email right now, and you should see an email from me with your graded rubric. All right. Let me go to my mail. Well, Josh is doing that. I just have to say this is really like a classic, almost like an infomercial, because it is really so easy to implement these tools and, and add these add-ons, and the product is so valuable, what you, what you can produce with it. Oh, and there it is. That is so cool. And thank you for the comment. You made me feel good about myself, but I have to wonder. I have to wonder. It was really that great, huh? Fives all the way? <laughs> I'll take it. Awesome. And you know, that's what's really nice too, is like even if even if a student gets partial credit or doesn't do so hot on a particular section, I've already gone through and I've assessed their their document as I would even if I didn't have the Gubrick extension. Um, and then adding that Gubrick extension directly on that page means they don't have to try to flip back and forth or find the rubric later. It's all right there in addition to the comments I gave them as I was reading through the document. So talk about being able to use that feedback for the students to be able to see it all right there and then to give them the, the hey, this was really great, that's awesome, and email it, it to them. So in case they forget or never go back into their doc, now they've got a record of it in their email. They can easily show their parents, forward it to them. It's just a really great opportunity to keep the lines of communication open. That is so cool, Natalie, and I think Absolutely, for anybody that, that teaches English, for sure. I think this would probably save them, I mean, you could probably better attest to this, but literally hours, if not days worth of work. Would yeah, you for, agree? for me, it's, you know, trying to go paperless can be sort of overwhelming. This made that process so much easier because there's no confusion for the students. Sometimes students can say, oh my, what do you mean no paper? Um, this is, I'm going to place it directly for you in a clearly marked place in your Google Drive, and I'll show you exactly how to work on it. It's a workflow they're already comfortable with, and they can easily um, communicate with me by writing on that document. They don't have to worry, did they share it properly? Is it suggested edits? I've already taken sort of the guesswork out of how to utilize Google Drive and made them focus just on the assignment. Hey, awesome. Natalie, Natalie, can I ask you a quick question? Sure. Um, well, first of all, I would say I coincidentally am using my mug that reminds me of Doctopus. Look at this. It's got nice. this nice octopus. <laughs> kind of all over it. Um, but the second thing is um, I have tried to work with uh, some of the faculty at my school on getting them to use Doctopus and Gubrick, and I think the number of steps involved or the fact that there are spreadsheets and rosters and things like that involved have been a bit of a deterrent for some of them. I'm wondering if you have some advice or, or some practices on how to best train up and get buy-in with faculty on how to use these right. tools. So for me, because this was my first year experiencing this and it's only mid-October at this point, I found that you're correct. That first week, sending out that first doc to everyone was overwhelming. But what's really cool is that when you get into it, I just I, I want to be able to sort of show you um, what my organizational system in my actual Google Drive looks like, because 
it's made finding all the work I need to use and give students and sort of keep track of all that so much easier. Um, I've basically created a Doctopus folder. I have three sections of seniors. I've broken it down by section. I go in and I can easily see exactly what I've asked them to create. Um, I have, for example, the Doctopus diagnostic essay. I have Moonshot project stuff, when you go in there, I have specific assignments, so I know exactly what I'm looking for and when I'm looking for it, and the best part about it is that Doctopus asks me, what roster do you want? Do you want to put something directly in your second period class, your fifth period class? All the hard work is done after the first setup. So what's really great is that it stores all of that for you when you open up your Doctopus, and you go back to your step one, it tells you what you need to do and everything else is just a breeze. There's literally five clicks that you need to go through to get this sent out versus making sure you print the document, the document prints neatly, you go to the photocopy room, you wait in line for 15 minutes, you waste an entire prep period printing it out, you find a place to store those papers in your classroom, then you make sure the kids hang on to them for the next three weeks that they're working on that assignment. This is just no fuss, no muss. Once you do it once, you get the hang of it and do it over and over and over again. Very cool. Are there, um, so maybe some of us are more experienced working with uh, Doctopus and Gubrick when they were just scripts versus when they were add-ons. I mean, any uh, distinction between the two of them uh, for those, those of us in the audience who have worked with it in the script but not so much in the add-on? Yeah, this is so much easier. <laughs> so much easier. I feel like that these two tools do everything that my Trapper Keeper failed to do while I was a student. I would agree. I tell kids this can become their virtual binder. They're welcome to, to bring paper. Um, they can have notebooks and folders, or they can trust the digital, you know, the digital cloud. And if something goes wrong, we're all in it together, and we'll all figure out what to do together. And there's kind of that sense of security in the fact that, look they're not going to be to blame if Google Drive is down that day or our network isn't working. We'll, we'll figure out what to do, but then I don't have to worry about not being able to get on with the day because they didn't bring their essay that was supposed to be peer edited or because they don't have their pen and, you know, they can only edit in purple pen, you know, stuff like that. Very cool, Natalie. Well, we really appreciate you demoing those for us. You can feel free to stick around our, for the end of our show here as we go through some other add-ons. Otherwise, we, we, I mean, that was awesome. I think out of any of us, you probably could have given the best demo, so we really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks. And, you know, if anyone ever wants uh, some more info, I would definitely say join the Doctopus Google Plus community. Worlds of information. Within 24 hours, I've always gotten a response. People are um, uh, really, really helpful, and I've never encountered an issue that hasn't been sort of fixed, literally fixed, um, whether it's technical or, uh, you know, human error on my own part. So if anyone can, can do that, that's a great tool to sort of help you and walk you through it if you don't have someone there who knows how to use it in your school. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, so we're going to move on and try and fit in some, some other add-ons here. I know Chris has a few. Um, so I'm just going to show one other quick one here in Google Sheets, which is pretty neat.
Um, so going back to this really, getting this really quick feedback. Um, this one is, is an oldie but goodie, Flubaroo. Uh, these names are all, like, ridiculous. I think I mentioned this and Sam made a joke about it the other day. Uh, but Flubaroo is, is another add-on for Google Sheets. And hopefully my screen is being shared at the moment. Uh, and it's for giving quick feedback and quick grading on multiple choice in Google Forms. So it gives you a little more flexibility using Google Forms and can give you quick gradings. So I know if I said Scantron, it would probably send shivers down, down everybody's spine on the crew. Uh, but this, this kind of takes that functionality and, and puts it in a form format, but it really can give you really quick feedback. Great for formatives. If you do multiple choice tests, you could use it for that, depending on where you're at. Um, I would say more on the formative front, just because I'm not a huge multiple choice guy, but it might be great to get some, some quick indications of where students are at. So I made a form, and I sent it out in the pre-show. Just a couple questions, including name, email, and then, very important, they should be multiple choice, uh, the questions that you want your students to answer. And then, after they take it, is when actually you run the script. So you don't need to do anything until all the students take the test. The one important thing you need to do at some point, it doesn't matter when, is you need to take the test and put it in the correct answers. So on the back end of my form is a spreadsheet. You can either find this in your drive or inside of your form. You can click on View Responses, and that'll show you your spreadsheet. And across the top, you have your fields. And these are the answers. So these are who answered it. I had the answer key, which should be obvious to anybody who watches the show. And then we have the three answers so far. So obviously two questions at a glance. You can quickly see who's right, who's wrong. But if you had, like Natalie has, 150 students and you had 20 questions, you would want a way to get that graded really quickly. So I'm going to go ahead and install the Flubaroo add-on. As you can see, I have it here. If you don't have it, you just click on Get Add-ons. And in this menu, if you don't see it right away, up in the search, you just type Flubaroo. And there you go. And then you would just add it that way. All right, so now I'm going to go ahead and run it. So I click Grade Assignment. Now, does do people see this pop-up here? Because it's just a Flubaroo grading step one. Yeah. Yes, sir, it's there. Good. Awesome. So... It asks you, with all the different questions you have, what their purpose is. You can choose them to either identify the student so they will not be graded, or you can choose that they are worth some points or not graded at all. So I'm going to make this one worth five points, this one worth two, and then name and email identify the student. And then I'm going to click Continue. All right, and then it asks me then which submission should be the answer key. So when I said before it didn't matter when you answered it, it doesn't because you can choose from the list of answers. So once again, really simple. Even if you didn't do it right away and you forgot to, you get to the end, you're like, oh, oh crud, I need to, need to run this. You can just quick put in your responses and then choose yourself and you just be at the bottom of the list. And then I'll click Continue. And it's grading my assignment. So now it's complete and I can click View Grades. It added a new sheet to my spreadsheet. Real quick, Josh, just for the record, how long yep. did it take just now to grade the assignment? Uh, there were only three responses, but I believe it took approximately less than a quarter of a second. 
duly noted. And if you had, yeah, if you had like 30 students, I imagine it would only take a couple seconds. Granted, that's going to depend on the number of students and the amount of questions. So, yeah, I was really quick with two questions and three people. It might not be as fast, but I can guarantee it's going to be faster than you could grade them by hand. I, I will contribute a little bit more. Uh, in my school, the last two years, I worked with an ESL teacher to give her final exam using Google Forms and then grading it using Fluberoo. And both years, 30 to 35 kids, and it took the same length of time to grade 30 to 35 responses, uh, submissions, and the exam is about 125 questions. It took the same amount of time. And then it was okay. done. It was fantastic. That is, and that is so cool. And that's kind of the angle I come through, come with as a tech integrator. Is in in a lot of cases, especially for the the more the teachers who are more not there yet with technology, is that saving time piece. That's such a that's the best argument that any of us who are trying to get teachers to use more technology in their classes that we can give, because all the other stuff falls away. When the most important thing, if you ask any teachers in, in getting new things in their classroom is time, and when you can give them that, like that's a great argument. So that is that is awesome. Uh, Jeff has a question. Are the tests graded by Fluberers or Fluberettes? Um, I think it's graded by the Langoliers, actually, but I'm not entirely sure. And that may be a reference that I don't even understand. Not sure. Anyways, my attempt at humor, not very good. I wish I was hearing laughter. I should... Just keep going. <laughs> Yay, thanks. <laughs> All right, so that's Fluberoo in, in really a nutshell. It's really quick and easy. There is some email functionality to Fluberoo. So now that I have these grades in, you can see it highlighted a question where very few got it correct. And any student that got below a certain grade point also is highlighted in red or is red text. So you, you can get at a glance a quick view of how students did. If you go back up to add-ons in Fluberoo, you all of a sudden have a bunch of different options available to you. You can regrade the assignment. Let's say a student was sick and they had to take it later. They can take it. You can regrade it. Or if you had redos, you wouldn't have to have them do a completely different form. You could redo it here. In addition, uh, you can email the grades. You can view a report of, of what happened with some graphs. You can have an email to yourself. Um, but in the sake of time, I think that would be the, the, the feature most people would use. I'd like to get Chris in here to fill in a few of the Docs apps or the Docs add-ons before uh, we got to go. Hey, so hey Chris, Josh. Would you like to just few? Josh. Could you go back yeah. in, in, into that real quick? Could you tell us exactly what those options do? When it says email students, does that mean it emails them the grade? Or does that mean it emails them what they did wrong? And where it says regrade assignment, would the student have to start from question one and redo all 150 questions? Or what exactly happens with each of those options? So regrade would basically rerun the script. Uh, using Google Forms, students would have to re-answer everything. Okay. Um, so that would I would primarily use that if everybody was well, if a student needed to re to redo the test, or if a student missed the test or quiz. Um, as far as emailing grades, and I should be sharing my screen with that right now. Um, it can email the student their grade as well as the correct answers. So I had everybody put in their email at this step, 
And then I have a few options. Include lists of questions and scores, and I can include the answer key, and you can include a message. So I'll do that. But we still don't have a way yet that, let's say it is 160 questions and Sam doesn't finish it in the 45-minute class period. There's no way for him to save that test and come back to it next period. You know, I actually think that there is. When you fill out a form, if the option is checked, let me go into my Google form here. Um, Here we go. At the bottom of the Google form. If everybody can see this, it says allow responders to edit responses after submitting. So if it was a really long test and students could not finish in time, they could submit it. And then they would be able to go in and edit those responses. Um, the, the two keys are this. They would have to edit their responses after submitting, and they would also want to send a copy of their responses to themselves when they were done. But they can't do. So but, let me, but that still has to be on the same computer. Like they can't go home and and finish taking the test, right? Uh, I'm gonna say no, I because I don't know for sure. Okay. Yeah. I like that's it. I, I, I know I'm gonna certainly try this one. Yeah, that's that's a really neat one and can be great for some some really making that process of using those multiple choice true false tests make that a lot faster. Can I chime in about about when you can make edits? Um, I've sometimes selected uh, allow multiple responses, allow multiple edits. And the great thing about Fluberoo is you can keep rerunning. So as long as you haven't run the grades, if I didn't uh, run the grades for that class, and let's say Josh hasn't finished his quiz yet, I just won't run the grades yet. Or if he didn't submit yet and he submits it later and then I run, it'll grade just his. So as far as I know, as long as the kid logs in with the same login and that that box has been checked where he can take it later or he can edit it, he can edit it and it can resubmit his grades once you regrade it through Fluberoo. Right. Awesome, Nelly. Thank you for that contribution. See? Good thing you stuck around for us. <laughs> All right, Chris, I know we're short on time and I know we were expecting to go a lot more into add-ons. Is there one add-on you'd like to show us quick before we wrap up? Uh, yes, I am going to show this add-on is called GMath, and it works in Google Spreadsheets and in Google Docs, uh, and I'm going to demonstrate it in Google Docs. Let me just get my screen share up here. All right, there we go. You are showing. See it? Yep. All right, cool. All right, so what GMath allows you to do, and this is specifically for all of our math teaching friends out there in the world and in the audience, uh, GMath allows you to insert all of those interesting and complex math symbols and functions into a document. Now, I know that there are a lot of uh, plugins and add-ons that maybe you can subscribe to and purchase from Microsoft Word, but... Obviously, Google is free, and whether or not you're Google Apps for Education school or not, you can use you can use this technology. So I'm here in a Google Doc, and I'm going to install this fresh. So I'm going to go to Add-ons and Get Add-ons. And we'll get this nice pop-up to select all of the wonderful tools and toys that are available. 
and I should just be able to scroll very quickly. There it is, GMath. And all you have to do when you get to this window in Google Drive is just click on the add-on. And I'm going to add it for free. Ooh. Raise your hand if you like free. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> you know, I think it's great that, that there's starting to be more of these uh, math-type apps uh, that are out there because I, you know, I feel as for me as a tech integrator, that's an area where I know I struggle with in helping teachers integrate more technology, at least student-centered type technology in their classes. So learning about things like this, at least from my perspective, uh, helped me immensely. And I am trying. Oh, here we go. Okay. I am tr trying to add this. I do apologize. So then once you add, and this goes for most of these add-ons in Google, it's going to ask, it's going to request your permission and you just want to, you know, accept. It shouldn't steal too much information from you. <laughs> you never know. I mean, we've accepted so much other stuff on the internet anyways. Does it really matter at this point? I know. I was I was showing I was actually showing this to my dad today. He he's a high school math teacher and, and I blew his mind with it. He's like, This is awesome. But I'd like to be able to show it to you so you all can agree that it's awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so are you showing something right now? Because I just see a blank doc. It is coming up. I'm it's not showing the authorization window. Okay. So I've authorized it, then I just want to go back into add-ons. GMath is now available to me. And what I want to do quickly is I want to create math expressions. And similar to Dr. Puss or Gubrick, I'm going to get my side option here in the window. You know, I really love that with add-ons, that was how it, they, they made all the add-ons work, was with that little window on the far right. I just think that makes things so much cleaner and more or, and easier to use. Absolutely. I mean, and, and I believe you can still even load your chat window and, you know, you can have all this usability and functionality, you know, all in one place. Okay. Uh, Josh, can you just confirm that you can see the side window now? Yep, absolutely. Okay. I see latex. Is that we're supposed to see latex? Because uh, I don't want to, you know, get in on anything that you're involved in right now. <laughs> yes. Um, latex is a math markup language, similar to HTML or any other programming language out there, but it is all designed to create math symbols. Um, so you don't actually need to know this to do it, because you have, if you look further down, it has some predefined options that you can click on to create this math expression. So up here, using this language, slash frac. Uh, Natalie, you're the English teacher, so you can tell me what the squiggly parentheses means. I don't know the formal name. Squiggly parentheses? Um, I don't even see it at the moment. Yeah, uh, it's... Man, <laughs> I can't remember. We're looking at a bracket. <laughs> okay, so anyway, you, you see that's the latex language, but if you look down, you see the latex preview, and that's what I'll be inserting into the document. But I can go in here, and I can change that to x minus 3, you know, plus, five, plus 7, 
and it updates the preview that's a fraction and now I can insert that into my document and it imports it as an image and I can design you know, a math test where the kids can see the problems. I could design this and I could print it out and give it to the students and it's just a really quick easy way to get those more complex math looking functions and you know it's it's I mean we've all seen documents where the math teacher you know it's a lot of spaces and tabs and parentheses and it's just a formatting nightmare you know if, if we can all agree on that yeah. um, but then I can go through here I mean back on the right side and, and I can click any of these and I can edit these functions what I would recommend doing if you're going to use this add-on is in another tab or another window you should Google the latex programming language and you can get some examples and samples that you can just copy and paste into this editing window and then you can really customize what you're doing for your kids in terms of math instruction. Very cool. Right, yeah, I had not seen GMath until just now. Um, so that, that is definitely interesting and one to check out, especially if you're, uh, especially if you're looking to get math uh, using technology a little more. That might be a simple way to do that. So thanks for showing us that, Chris. And and it'll work great in conjunction with Doctopus because you can create that that math hmm. worksheet or that assignment, and then you can push it out to everybody. Look at that app smashing, bring it full circle for us, Chris. Awesome. <laughs> um, Chris, I've got a quick question for you. If I were to, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, Just sorry. I've been muting and unmuting as needed. Um, if I'm a student and I were to say receive this document from you that had this formatting in it, would I need to have the GMath uh, add-on installed in order for me to see the formatting of that fraction? To my knowledge, no. Okay. That's that's my best answer. Great. You could share it with one of us quick, and maybe we could pop it on before we're gone. Uh, sure. Who wants it? We did have a quick question. And it, from... it, it appears here, just by having him click on that, it brings the math equation in, but it but it treats it as a graphic. Is that, Am I seeing yes. that right? You yes. are, Jeff. And so, so by that, I it seems like it, you don't you wouldn't have to have the add-on if you were the student account because it's just basically adding graphics onto your Google Doc. Yeah. Very cool. Answers That's it right neat. there. And actually, another question that I think that answers as well uh, that um, – we had asked, Christy had asked, is it possible to use GMath when creating forms? And I guess the answer is since it's a graphic, the only way would be to insert an image. Would, would that sound correct? Yes. Yeah, you, you, I mean, I don't know if you can use the add-in directly in Google Forms, but you could certainly make this and then, you know, copy the image. It, there might be a few steps, but if you really want to do it, there's always a way. Does anybody know if there's anything like this, but with musical terms and symbols? Yes, there is. Ooh. Let me pull that up for you, Jeff. If we have, uh, if we have time. Uh, hey, for 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 you, Chris. <laughs> I can I can verify. I just opened up the document they shared with me, Chris, and I could see the fraction as it was. So it is just a graphic. Can you copy That's that perfect. into another doc, or can you copy that into some like Photoshop and use use that as a graphic? I wonder. Dave, try and copy it out. I'm going to pull up the music. I'm on it. That's nice. And I have my add-on window open, and I'm going to show Jeff the music one. Oh, look. Vextab music notation. V-E-X-T-A-B music notation. You seeing what I'm seeing, Jeff? Yep. 
It's a beautiful thing, yes. That is nice. I have got to try that. Holy mackerel. Sweet. Nice. Josh, I haven't seen the holy mackerel add-on, but if you want to pull that up, go ahead. (laughs) I've heard the singing mackerel. Very cool. Nice. Chris, your wealth of knowledge is humbling. It's incredible. Thank you for sharing. So my pleasure to share. Thanks. Yeah. So let's go ahead and throw it on back to Jeff because we are at the end of the show. So, Jeff, thanks for letting me guide things along. I hope the ship didn't capsize while you were kind of on the fringes. I got to tell you, we had a great show today. I want to say thank you to everybody out there for watching and sticking with us on TeacherCast.tv. We are, of course, live here every single Sunday night at 7 o'clock Eastern, one hour before the amazing Once Upon a Time. Josh, um, thank you so much. Sam, let me bring you in here. Next week, you're going to be steering the ship a little bit, and we're going to be talking about coding. Can you tell us a little bit about these the next two weeks here? You bet. For the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about programming in the classroom, and we're going to look at programming grades K through 12. Uh, we're going to have a number of different people. Let me get Sam the phone book. Sorry. We're going to have a number of uh, people on the show talking about programming grades K through 12, and we're going to talk about how teachers in any content area can use programming as a way to help their students build understanding and show their knowledge and apply the knowledge that they're learning in that subject area. And will we be doing that through the use of puppets? There will be puppets, there will be robots, there will be apps, there will be browsers, there will be code. That is awesome. And that's happening the next two weeks, I believe. Yes. Excellent. Because it's just that big. We couldn't fit it in one week. That is amazing. And that's, of course, getting all into the Hour of Code, which is in December, did you say? Yep, it is in December. Hour of Code, sponsored by Code.org, in which they encourage everybody to do something useful in their classroom for at least an hour this year. Nice. So certainly come back. We are here live every single (laughs) Sunday night. Uh, Natalie, one more time, where can we learn more about the great stuff that you're doing in New Jersey? Um, you can come to Edscape this this Saturday. Um, that's in New Milford, and you can also follow me at TeachNV on Twitter. Nice, uh, Chris. What's going on recently? Uh, what's coming up soon in the House of EdTech? Uh, today I released episode number twenty-one. I had a great conversation with Casey Bell, and she is uh, from the website ShakeUpLearning.com, and we were chatting on conferences and a lot of the tools that she's using talked about Google, and uh, in two weeks I'll be talking with uh, a fantastic elementary school teacher from Utah, Derek Larson. So that's what's coming up over on the House of Ed Tech. And, and where can we learn more about you? You want to head over to, not that website, Jeff, you want to head over to mister.chrisnessy.com. We will certainly put that one up too. Uh, David Saunders, where will you be broadcasting from next week? Uh, I will be here, uh, hopefully from my house, and and I'm very excited to be uh, partnering up with Sam and Josh on our Coding Connect organization, uh, working to help uh, instruct teachers on how to best implement coding into their curricula. And uh, you can find me at at Design Saunders uh, on Twitter and at uh, designsaunders.com. Excellent. You can, of course, check out all the archives for our show over on our website, techeducatorpodcast.com. 
uh, as brought to you and presented by TeacherCast.net, where you can check out all 70 of our episodes. We have our live show. We have our video show. We have all the great stuff. And while you're there, check out our new section on TeacherCast University, where you can see almost, I think we almost have a dozen right now, uh, live online courses. If you're looking to learn how to use Google, Audacity, Evernote, green screening, remind, final cut, and uh, soon we're going to be doing one on AppShed on our mobile apps. Check it out, TeacherCast University. You can see all the great stuff that's happening over there. Guys, I want to say thank you so much. 70 episodes, Sam. It's been pretty good, and uh, we are going to be back next week again at 7 o'clock. Enjoy everything. Stay tuned here. We have episode 13 of the 32nd Take podcast featuring Brad Gustafson. Good night, everybody. Continue sharing your passions with your students.